Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities, we learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Prince of Snakes. It was a title that inspired fear, as if the very words themselves were laced with dread. 
Wesley, of course, had no idea who, or what, the Prince of Snakes was. But the deformed man spoke it with the utmost reverence. Before Wesley could utter another question, the bound man asked his own. And what sort of creature are you? I must say, I've never seen anything quite like you, or your companions. Except, of course, your friend there, which I suppose might have been the point, yes? Clever. Though, now that I've a better look at him, he too eludes categorization. The man's many eyes wandered over to Riva, their myriad of pupils widening at the sight of the man who had captured him. Before Wesley could answer, the man went on. Are you more creations of the Balfine? I suppose you wouldn't know. They are fond of letting loose their abominations from time to time. If only to see what they'll do. Uh, we're just... we're just humans. Humans? Strange. I've never seen your kind. If we had... well, you'd know it. Uh, what do you call yourselves? We call ourselves nothing. We sprang from the font of our Lord's blood, incarnations of his spilt life. It is said that when he died, he bled all the varying shades of darkness, but it pooled in certain places, took a liking to certain soils. There was once a lake of his blood here, and we were the life that sprang from it. Over the generations, we built a shrine to our Lord, our town, Miserith. His blood still runs strong beneath it, gracing us with his power, living testaments of his black gift. Before Wesley could reply, Moffat called to Wesley. Well, what is it he sang, man? Wesley put his finger up, as if the man would understand the gesture, and walked over to his friends, who were all gathered by the fire. Wesley told them what the man, Thing, had said. I've no idea who this Prince of Snakes person is, but it fits with what we know about these last interfectorum fellows. As for the serpent energy hypothesis, I think it's becoming more and more likely. His story of their town suggests something special about the locale, albeit wrapped in all sorts of religious dogma. Uh, is, is anyone gonna address the elephant in the room? Wes, how, how the hell do you know the language? Moffat threw Wesley a coy smile. Yes, Dr. Morrigan. How have you managed to speak and understand a language that no human has any right knowing? Hmm? Again, Moffat seemed to be hinting at something, something only he knew. Wesley didn't even know how he was able to understand it, but he had his suspicions. This is you, isn't it? Come out and fucking talk to me. I know many languages, little Wesley. And now you do, too. Call it a gift. If there's one thing I know about you, it's that you're not the giving type. At least, not unless you want something in return. What I want is beyond this meager little mind of yours, Wesley. But suffice to say, my charity will bring me one step closer to it. So, you don't have to worry your vacuous head about reciprocity. I've got what I wanted. Wesley found the thing's words disconcerting. He didn't know what the thing wanted, but it couldn't be anything good, whatever it was. Well, 
Jesus, what the hell am I supposed to tell them? How am I supposed to explain that I could speak some fucking language that apparently human beings had no knowledge of? I'm afraid that's not my problem, Wesley. Play dumb. That seems to be the resting state of your kind. Wesley looked at his companions and shrugged his shoulders. Hey, uh, look, I- I'm just as stumped as you guys are. I- I've never even heard of ancient Arithemic, let alone learned to speak it. Riva signed to Vorin, a look of curiosity crossing his face. I suppose it could have done, but we were all exposed to the storyteller to varying degrees. Why would he have specifically affected Wes? Plus, this bard of Koth was speaking English, which is another mystery I've yet to figure out. I would venture a guess that based on this bard's particular capacity, his stories may have a psychic effect on the victims, automatically translating his tales into words they can understand. But that's just a guess. What do I know? True, but that still doesn't explain the origin of Wesley's understanding. Wes, has there been anything else odd happening to you? Have you been feeling ill? Perhaps it's something to do with these serpent energies. I don't know nothing about this uh, serpent energy you guys are talking about, but uh, if it's affecting him, how come it's not affecting the rest of us? Vorn nodded, his face a contortion of puzzlement. Wesley was trying to maintain his calm. Part of him wanted to tell the truth, to spill his guts about the voice in his head that had been taunting him for years. But then he thought of the witch trials of the early 2000s, what people had done to those they thought possessed otherworldly powers. Vorn and Riva seemed like good enough people, but they reviled these walks of darkness, and he couldn't be sure what they'd do if they found out something like that was inside of him. But perhaps they knew a way of getting rid of it. After all, they were experts in the esoteric. Maybe there was some kind of ritual or magic or something that could rid him of it. The voice, sensing Wesley's thoughts, spoke. Go ahead, little Wesley. Tell them about me. Find out what they'll do to you. Or perhaps you shouldn't worry about what they'll do to you. But instead, what I'll do to them. Images assaulted Wesley's mind. Scenes of visceral horror. Past acts of unimaginable violence the thing in his head had visited upon countless enemies. They were past experiences shared by the voice, allowing him to understand, to absorb the naked threat into his very spirit. You... you couldn't. If, if you could have, you would have done it by now. Perhaps. Perhaps not. There's no telling what I can do if my hand is forced, little Wesley. I've lived eons. Do you think I could be so easily gotten rid of? Wesley was glad at least these macabre conversations happened at the speed of thought. It would look more than a little strange if he were standing there in silence for moments on end, staring at nothing while he conversed with the voice. Defeated, he had no choice but to continue the lie. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm just as mystified by it as you guys. But shouldn't we be focusing on the issue at hand? I mean, wh- what do we do with this guy? Do we continue interrogating him? Let him go? What? Riva began to gesticulate, signing to Vorin. Riva's right. We can't just let him go. He'll surely alert the others to our location. Even if we move on before he tells them. Who knows how long they'll pursue us. Well then, I mean, what do we do with them? Vorin Riva shared a knowing look. One that Wesley couldn't ignore. 
Uh, no. Y- you guys can't do that. He- he's a person, for Christ's sake. You can't just kill him. Come on! There's, there's got to be some other solution. He would have killed you on sight, Dr. Morgan. Hung you from one of their windmills for all to see. This seems to be the most pragmatic solution. I, I'm, you know what? I'm sorry I don't take advice from someone whose family burns people alive in giant fucking lanterns. Come on, Vorin. There's got to be another way. I'm sorry, Wesley. We can't chance them alerting the others. If what you say is true when they've been tainted by a serpent line, then there's no humanity left in them, if there ever was to begin with. Wesley walked over to the bound man, who seemed oddly complacent sitting against the strange withering tree. Desperation in his voice, Wesley pleaded to the group. Look, there, there are still more questions we can ask him, right? I mean, I'm sure he's got more he can tell us. Before Wesley's compatriots could object, he turned to the prisoner. Uh, there was another attack, some sort of, um, storm that ripped apart a group of people we were with. Their, uh, remains were all reconfigured, fused together. Any idea what that might have been? Ah, you speak of Lunak, the living storm, the third son of the prince. It is said that our lord, coupled with the spirits of the thunder and rain and sired a dark storm to forever wander these lands. But you are not really interested in that, are you? I may not be familiar with your tongue, but I take it you've had a disagreement with your friends about what to do with me, hmm? I can see the weakness, the desperation in your eyes. I'm trying to save your life. The man beamed a wide, sinister smile. Oh, but you already have. You see, I have friends, too. At that moment, Wesley felt something breeze past his face. (laughs) A strange black dart appeared at Riva's neck, the Malsayer's eyes wide with surprise and indignation as he collapsed to the ground, unmoving. Wesley heard the rustle of grass and the shamble of unearthly things as figures of obscene shape and make began to emerge from their shadowed surroundings. He instinctively turned and ran, feeling the breath of something awful and inhuman barreling down on him. Everything seemed to move in slow motion. Even the voice was caught in a malaise. To the Ink Dragon's credit, he saw Vorin firing his rifle into the masses of disfigured things invading the camp. Guttural, beastly howls rang out as the rounds shredded their bodies their blood a viscous black that sprayed like geysers of oil. Yet a misshapen creature smothered Vorin's body in a chaos of ebon tentacles, the writhing things engulfing him, bringing him to the ground. Wesley kept running, something large and loping swiping at his heels. Salvatore was just next to him, firing his gun blindly behind them. The creature, with its myriad of snapping maws and digitigrade limbs, stumbled against the force of the high-caliber rounds. The pale teeth of trees whizzed by Wesley as he ran through the throat of the forest. A silence overtook the woods, with only the echo of his footfalls and fevered breaths accompanying him. Just as he thought he might escape the attack, a whip-like crack sundered the quiet. Something wet and barbed gripped his ankle, and he fell to the ground hard, 
his chin bouncing off a stone as his breath left him in a rush. Flipping on his back, he was met with a horror of malformations. The thing's face was all mouth, filled to bursting with what appeared to be more like craggy spikes than teeth. Its eyes were on the sides of its head, with the odd symmetry of a goat's. Most alarming was the fact that it wasn't a whip that had felled Wesley, but one of a tangle of tongues that protruded from its mouth, each a black tether armed with what looked like tiny thorns. Its body was thin but muscled, contorted in ways that should have rendered it unable to move. Yet it did, and with a lethal grace. The thing retracted its barbed tongue as it approached, moving its cavernous mouth over Wesley's face as it growled. Wesley grabbed the thing's jaws, but it easily overpowered him, its hot, putrid breath and oozing saliva nearly drowning him as the creature stuffed his head inside its yawning maw. Just as he felt its spiked teeth against the base of his neck, its slithering tongues exploring Wesley's nose and mouth, a surge of power seared through Wesley's limbs. His grasping hands became like iron, finding purchase where its jaw met its skull, squeezing the flesh and bone and sinew until it crunched and popped beneath his ever-strengthening grip. The thing began to panic, pushing against Wesley's shoulders as it tried to pull away, but he didn't let it. He continued to squeeze until the thing's skull started to give, a song of bone and brain relenting to pressure and rage. Just as he thought it was about to crack like a giant, rancid egg, a hideously deformed man appeared next to the creature and brought a booted foot down on his face. The strike left him dazed, the stars above him waxing and waning out of existence, his awareness fighting the undertow of unconsciousness. He felt his body being dragged. He saw branches passing overhead as he was pulled back towards the camp. Moments later, he spied Vorin by the fire, tied up in the same rope that had once bound the treacherous creature, a gruel. Moffat was similarly restrained, chains wrapped about his wrist, sitting quietly on a log. Salvatore was nowhere to be seen. Wesley hoped he'd escaped, but common sense told him that the man had most likely been killed. But worst of all was the limp body of Riva. Focusing as best as he could, Wesley was fairly certain the man's chest still rose and fell. Over a dozen abominable shapes filled the camp, each a unique configuration of deformity. Some had faces dominated by random eyes and mouths, while others had multiple limbs ending in razor-sharp talons or undulating appendages that Wesley had no name for. They all stood against the blackened woods, as if kith and kin to the darkness. A few robed figures stood at the edge of the clearing, their garments bulging and moving sporadically, most likely concealing some strange new horror beneath. Coming to the fore with an arrogant gait was a gruel. A deadly smile of jagged teeth spread across his gruesome face. He knelt down next to Wesley. It seems our Lord has shined down upon us and other of his great miracles. You see, the blood that made us, it binds us. For we are all formed of the same lake of his vitality. We are a flock, and when one of the flock goes missing, the others will stop at nothing to find them. Wesley couldn't bear to look at him, to see the smug satisfaction oiling his disastrous face. Instead, he stared at the limp form of Riva, who he hoped would suddenly rise and let loose some of those maledictions Moffat had mentioned. 
but thus far, he had yet to move. A gruel noticed the subject of Wesley's gaze. The darts are laced with a particularly nasty poison. Your friend will die a slow and painful death. Then the creatures of this forest will have him, and it will be like he never was. Wesley's eyes stabbed into the man-thing, laced with a poison of their own. You goddamn son of a bitch! I should have let them kill you! Oh yes, you most certainly should have. But our lord stayed your hand, for he protects his children. Fuck you! The hideous man just smiled as he stood, signaling to a nearby creature as he loomed over Wesley. The thing approached and bent low, striking out with a crooked limb. Then, the world went black. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anslone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at Maltopia.com. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.